It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. You're right, you're right, all right. And we say, hell yeah. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams. We are back. Had some technical difficulties on Monday's episode. You guys should have seen me. I was flipping out. It was like 1230 at night. I had already tempted like three or four times. My computer was having memory issues. No more memory. I deleted like everything I have on my computer. Finally made memory. My program was still giving me tons of grief. I decided to kind of trick the system and use an app that I use online. Well, I recorded for about 45 minutes. Usually edits down. And then when I listened back, my microphone wasn't plugged in. That's a little my bad right there. But man, was it frustrating. The audio quality sucked. It was basically just pulling from my computer. I couldn't do it to you guys, have you listened to me. It sounded like I was sitting across from the room yelling. Uh, But we're back, Tuesday edition. So we've got a more jam-packed show for you guys today. I want to talk a little bit about the wild card weekend because a lot happened. And then Monday happened. Tons of news coming out from the Rams organization with moves. There was writing on the wall for some of this stuff, but we're going to go into it. The Rams started to shake some things up, and it may not be the end. We may see some other things happening as well. So we're going to talk about all that. What's next for our coaches? Who's coming in? Who's going? Who might still be sent packing? So we're going to cover all that here today. Again, a little touch on the NFL and some news around the NFL as the playoffs happen. I mean, come on. How happy are you that Tom Brady and Drew Brees, both first round exits, Roger Saffold with the Tennessee Titans, getting a little revenge for us. Rams fans out here being able to get that win on the road in New England and knock Tom Brady out. And what's the big question with Tom Brady? Where's he going? We're going to discuss some of that today and throughout this week. And then, of course, obviously the Saints going down. That felt good for everybody. The Vikings did us all proud. A team that we said maybe didn't belong in the playoffs went down on the road, upset Drew Brees, and, of course, the fans again blaming the refs. But we're going to cover all that awesome show for you guys. But with that, let's just get right into it. Out with the old and in with the dot, 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 to be determined. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams, and this is your lead story. Monday began the much-anticipated next steps for the Los Angeles Rams, and Sean McVay didn't waste any time. They informed Wade Phillips he would not be brought back for the 2020 season. Wade, if you can remember, was the first hire for Sean McVay back in 2017. Hired his head coach, and right away, picked up the phone and called Wade Phillips. I think that was actually already kind of in the plans as he was getting hired, but it was the first move he made was getting Wade Phillips to be his defensive coordinator. Again, back in 2017 when he took over from Jeff Fisher. And right away, the partnership seemed like a match made in heaven. You got Sean McVay at the time, a 30-year-old, young, wet behind the ears, never had a head coaching job, taking on this 69-year-old, long-term vet, had been a head coach before, very skilled defensive coordinator, But those were the honeymoon days. But together, that group was able to reach the pinnacle in the sport, which is the Super Bowl. And Wade's defense did his part that day, holding Tom Brady only to 13 points in that Super Bowl. But the Rams, obviously famously known 
Only mustered up three points. Couldn't get it done offensively. So I'm going to break this down. Here are three reasons why I love this move and three reasons why I hate this move because that's basically how I feel right now. It's a love-hate with moving on from Wade Phillips. So let's start with the love. Here's three reasons why I love this move. Number one, things were starting to get a bit stale on defense. Wade, much known for his 3-4 and didn't seem to adapt much uh, from that scheme. It was one of the things that had been kind of widely reported as Sean McVay brought him in, loved everything he was doing defensively. But over the years, especially in this year, you saw Sean McVay offensively change up his game plan from game to game or matchup for matchup. And Wade Phillips was basically 3-4. Stick with what you know. Put your players in position to make plays. It worked out sometimes. Other times it didn't. Obviously, we saw that late addition of Jalen Ramsey, and he seemed to move a little bit more into man-to-man coverage. That's what Jalen Ramsey does really well. But the running game still showed its ugly face. You know, we talk about a lot of times with the Ravens, 280 yards on the ground. The Dallas Cowboys game, which is one I probably circle big as far as maybe this transition moving forward, 260-plus yards on the ground in what we like to call a must-win game on the road against the Dallas team that hadn't shown much of an effort coming into that. And some have called that the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl and the way that they ended their season. But it may have ended Wade Phillips' career here in Los Angeles. Funny enough, that is where Wade Phillips had his head coaching gig down in Dallas back in the day. So uh, maybe a double-edged sword there for Wade. But it was just time, that 3-4 the lack of consistent production, I think, is a big part of why he's exiting now after three years. Number two, it's time for a new face, new ideas. Although Wade was loved by his players, there were times that it didn't seem like they were responding like they had in the past. We usually talk about Wade being the master of the halftime adjustment, and there are many cases this year that that just wasn't the case. I mean, looking back to the beginning, McVay really needed Wade when he first became coach of the Rams. Someone to bounce ideas off, someone to help him understand the management of the little things, what it's like to be a head coach, scheduling, running a practice from start to finish, organizing all those things that come outside of just coaching. And Wade was perfect for that. A perfect mentor, shall you say. But the time has run its course and it's time to see how McVay may work with a younger coach with new ideas. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see McVay with a little bit more input on the defense and what they are doing. And before, I mean, it was basically Wade's defense and McVay stayed out of it. There's rumors going around and we'll learn more about this on what is going to be done on the offensive side of the ball. But maybe that's part of this. Bring in a younger coach, kind of fit the personality. Not saying Wade didn't, but bring in a younger guy to kind of go forth with McVay analytics, the trendy new style era of coaching, but also bring in an offensive guy that can help McVay organize that offense, maybe take over play calling at a certain point, which would allow McVay to kind of have a little bit more input on the defensive game planning. I think that was something that when Wade was here, that was his role and McVay stayed out of it. And at a certain point when your team is losing and you see some of those blowout victories, and of course, Sean McVay's offense wasn't doing much in some of those, but when you see your defense struggling and you know you really can't go over there and tell, hey, wait, this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to do it. It's probably time for that relationship to move on. I think that's where the where this is. It was a good three years, but after three years, Sean McVay wants to take back some ownership of that defense. And that means new faces, new ideas. And number three, 
higher expectations. Don't get me wrong, we bragged a lot on this show about Wade and the great things he did. This defense, once they got Jalen Ramsey, as we mentioned, turned it around, holding teams under 13.7 times this season. The other side of that coin, though, they also had three games where they gave up 40 points or more and a couple where they gave up 30 points or more. The Rams defense, just like the team in general in 2019, just continued to show inconsistency, not only this year, but if you want to look at Wade's three years here, it's a lot of up and down. We always talked about the run game and some of the big yardage that he gave up on the ground. Wade is a 3-4 guy. And you can tell by the way that he built this defense, that is what he wanted. But at times, it didn't really fit the strength of our players and really didn't leave much leeway for adapting or changing. I hate to say it, but I think those three things were part of the reason that time was just up for Wade Phillips. And with that being the three things on why I love and understand this move, here are three things why I hate this move. Number one, I love Wade Phillips. I love Wade Phillips as the person, plain and simple. I used to look forward to Thursdays when he would talk with the media, come to the podium, always said something funny, always made football fun, always made it easy to understand. We talk a lot of X's and O's on this show. We talk a lot of in-depth stuff. Wade found a way to make the game personable and really get that out of his players as well. I used to love talking to Serena both off air and on air and hearing her stories of Wade and the things on how they interacted throughout the day. And not only just what he did with the press, but just kind of walking around the hall and being the jokester and keeping it light. He always seemed like a guy you would want around all the time, except for after three years when eh, you might have had too much. But he gelled perfectly with McVeigh right from the start. And I truly believe he was a huge key in our success to bringing this Rams team back to the top tier of the NFL. And I truly believe we are still in that top one, two tiers of teams that need to be respected each and every year moving forward with the talent we have. Obviously, the young coaching staff continue to grow the market, the money we have behind us, our owner, all those things really put us into position. But I think And I truly believe Wade Phillips was a huge part of changing that culture around here. The days from Jeff Fisher, you saw in just a two-year span, they took that team and moved it all the way to the Super Bowl. Wade Phillips was a big part of that. Number two, although this defense was old school and didn't change much for week to week, the numbers actually show that he got better this year. Despite the injuries and having to move people around, trading key players, people going on IR, the Rams' defense went from 19th last year to 13th in the NFL in total defense. The man was a key part in making this defense better. Uh, But overall, the run game never had a chance to improve. Yes, maybe a few yards here and there between the past couple years, but they've always sat somewhere in the late teens to early 20s as far as yards on the ground. Overall, his defense, though, definitely has improved since the Jeff Fisher days, but so has the expectations. You go to the Super Bowl, you have a lot of expectations on what you're supposed to get. I think, it again, it was the consistency. The story we talked here for the 2019 season for the Rams was kind of Wade's MO through his three years here. And number three, reason why I hate this, a fall guy. Someone had to be the fall guy. Wade just happened to be that guy. There was a feeling around the Rams as they made all these moves, trading draft picks, going and getting great players, having injuries on the defense. It was an up and down year for them as far as who was on the field and what Wade was going to be doing. But with the season over and looking past in the last three years, the first two, we were going up. We constantly got better, went to the Super Bowl in the second year. 
And then a big step back in year three, missing the playoffs. And with all that noise, I felt like the Rams just needed a fall guy. And Wade seemed to fit that mold. His contract was up, so it wasn't going to be ugly. McVay was allowed to just kind of peacefully say they're not going to bring him back. But damn, we may look back in a year or two and wish we stuck with them another year or so. Again, I could be wrong. Going younger and more of a new age defensive thinking might be exactly what this team needs. But again, only time will tell. And we're going to talk a little bit later, maybe third segment, as well as later on in this week, what are some of the defensive coordinator candidates that might be coming up? We want to see how some of these other coaching uh, carousel kind of goes. There's still some head coaching vacancies around, but there will be a very high interest, I believe. Again, 2020, brand new stadium, Los Angeles, working with McVay. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. There is a lot to be sold here for a defense coordinator. I'm excited about the talent that we may get in. We're going to talk about all the coaching options moving forward. But coming up next, we're also going to talk about what did Sean McVay have to say about all this? Who else was let go today? This wasn't the only move by the Rams. We're going to talk about hearing from our football coach. We're also going to talk about what other moves were made today. This is the Tuesday edition. We got more coming up right after this. And I say, hell yeah. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. Well, if you were surprised with what happened today, maybe you shouldn't be because Sean McVay sat here a week ago and told us what was going to happen as far as evaluating this team, not only players, but coaches and what the plan was. And in fact, I think we even played the clip on the show that he said they were going to chill out during the New Year's week and just relax and they were going to come back Monday, aka yesterday, 
and talk about what were the next steps. They move quickly here because if you're looking at everything that's happening around the NFL, and we'll talk about that in the third segment as well, uh, but Mike McCarthy was hired as the Dallas coach. You're seeing coaches being grabbed. You're also seeing those head coaches start to look for D coordinators right away in Washington. You saw Ron Rivera get hired and then quickly add Jack Del Rio onto his staff as D coordinator. So this thing needed to happen fast. And Sean McVay definitely didn't blink when it needed to be done. And here's what Sean McVay had to say about Wade Phillips and the contract not being renewed. Quote, Coach Wade has been a veteran voice in heading our defense for the past three seasons. His wealth of experience, sound advice, and helpful demeanor has been invaluable to our teams, coaches, and players, and also has set up an example for me as a head coach and a leader of men. I thank Coach Phillips for his numerous contributions to the Los Angeles Rams and our community, and I wish he, his wife Lori, and the rest of the Phillips family the best. McVay went on to say, quote, he's been great even from the very first time we started working together. His experience that he had to be able to draw on that, I think our personalities, it's a good balance in terms of some of the things where you see just how even keeled he is has helped. Like I've mentioned in a lot of different ways, he has always had a great perspective just based on his experience, whether it's being a head coach or a coordinator, but it's never pushing on you. He's always willing to share and has that way he thinks is the best way to be able to do it, but it never felt like any of that was pushing on you. So a really good relationship for Sean McVay, Wade Phillips. It just was time, perfect timing, contract expired. Don't need to offer him another one. Shake hands, tell him he's awesome, move on and pick another candidate. And it's kind of funny. I mean, I saw a bunch of stuff going around about Wade Phillips and all the things that he's done. And you see some good and people understanding, you know, he will be missed and, you know, there's questions about, well, what do we do now? Our roster was built for a 3-4. Will we go back to a 4-3? And how does our free agents and our players work into that? What happens to Matthews? How does Fowler fit into this switch situation? What do we do with Brockers? Uh, will Gaines and Sebastian Joseph Day fit back into this? And I saw a tweet from Blaine, who we've actually had on the show, a former downtown Rams writer. Uh, now I think he's kind of just doing his own thing here. But he had kind of looked a little bit deeper into this and saw a pattern uh, with Wade Phillips going back to 2002. He was with Atlanta for two years. Then he went to San Diego, coordinator there for three years. Then he went to Dallas as the head coach for four years. Then Houston, 2011 to 2013 for three years. Denver, 2015 to 2016, two years. And then here in the Rams, 2017, 2019, three years. So Wade Phillips has not been with a team longer than four years. That was his head coaching gig down in Dallas. So uh, Wade, this is kind of what this is kind of his MO. Stick around for a couple years, bounce to the next team. Uh, maybe it wasn't his choice. I'm, I'm curious to hear if Wade would want to come back into this situation, but it really wasn't his choice to kind of have. So the Rams have moved forward. And as we talk about moving forward, it wasn't the only one let go today. There was questions about this other coach for a while now, going back to 2017. But Skip Pete, running backs coach, was also released on Monday. He was one of the last coaches left over from the Jeff Fisher days. The only other one being John Fossil Bones, who is still around. We'll see what happens with him. Special teams did take a little bit of a dip. If you're looking at the production from Hecker, Greg Zerline, and just overall coverage, wasn't the best year for him, but I think we give Bones the benefit of the doubt. Players love for him. Players will run through a wall for him. 
And really, some of the players tried to run through a wall for Skip Pete going back a couple years when Sean McVay took over. Todd Gurley went to war for Skip Pete and basically said, you got to keep him around. This is my guy. Uh, let him stay and be a part of what we're building here. He had done that. Todd Gurley obviously had a couple really good seasons, the knee injury, but looking at this season, not one game over 100 yards, even going into our backups. We saw Daryl Henderson had some flash at moments, but had some ball security issues. Uh, Didn't seem to be running as confident as he was in college. And then obviously Malcolm Brown as the other running back there. No big complaints on Malcolm Brown. A little banged up throughout the year, but he was still a pretty stable number two running back. But Skip Pete, just not enough done. Uh, As far as the running backs trending upwards, when you start to go backwards like this, and we talked about uh, earlier in this segment or even a little bit last segment, is you're going year one, year two. You seem to be going up the hill. Year three seems to be just kind of peaked and you came back down the hill. There's got to be somebody held accountable for some of this. Skip Pete was never really Sean McVay's guy, so he had to let him go and move forward. That's going to be an interesting thing as there's so many talks about what's happening with Todd Gurley and what's going to be the next move. Are we trading him? Or, you know, who are we going to bring in to work with him? Are we going to continue to kind of go this young route that the Rams seem to potentially want to do? And, you know, we'll talk about options for moving forward as the defensive coordinator, but uh, there's so many questions for the Rams moving forward, and another one is going to be in that running back room. Here's what Sean McVay had to say about releasing Skip Pete and his time here with the Rams. Quote, when I came to the Rams in 2017, our running backs had a unanimous vote of confidence for Skip Pete to lead the running back court. Since then, he has helped our running backs to make great strides in the past three seasons, and his more than 20 years of coaching experience was imperative in our own offensive growth. Thank you to Coach Pete, his wife, Rebecca, and their family, and I wish them continued success. So it's kind of funny, a little interesting comment there. He said in 2017, they had unanimous vote of confidence for Skip Pete and the running back core, and the next sentence starts for him, since then, and then he went on to say some good things still about, but once you hear since then, you start to realize maybe the unanimous part of the confidence is no longer there, so the Rams have decided to move forward without Skip Pete. So many questions. And this is just the beginning, folks. I don't think this thing is ending. Charlie Robertson of Yahoo Sports kind of came out and said uh, he expects some more moves on both sides of the ball, and particularly on the offense. You may look at a guy like Shane Waldron, passing game coordinator, uh, did not, and quarterbacks coach, didn't see very good development for Jared Goff this year. Wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the next guys to go. And then defensively. What's happening with Joe Barry? He's being interviewed. I believe he's being requested to be interviewed, at least, by uh, USC to be their defensive coordinator. Will the Rams make a move and try to make him our defense coordinator, or will they look a little bit further down the road and look at Aubrey Pleasant, our secondaries and DB's coach? And he had a tremendous career. He actually interviewed for a couple jobs last offseason to be D coordinator. So we'll see how that kind of shakes out and where he fits into the mix. We're going to talk about all those options. And then obviously outside, there's some potential for adding some to our coaching staff. There's a lot of coaches going out there from college to the NFL to guys that weren't even coaching last year. There's lots of opportunity. And Sean McVay is much liked in the world of football. So I don't think he's going to have a problem finding a guy. It's just who's right for our players, what he's trying to get done defensively. So only time will tell, but we're going to be talking about here on Locked On Rams, your team every day, only on Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, don't forget to go hit me up, LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter, at Locked On Rams, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
We're going to start doing some uh, Twitter reaction. I want to get your guys' thoughts on who you want to be filling some of these positions, who else you think needs to go, and how we're going to be figuring out our free agents. All that's going to be coming up. Uh, in this third segment, we're going to be talking about the Wild Card Weekend because it was wild. And it made me a little jealous to sit here and watch football, but uh, it was a very entertaining one, and we're going to talk about that coming up next. And I say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, you're right, you're right, all right, and we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, you're right, you're right, all right, and we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, you're right, damn right, all right, and we say, hell yeah. Well, our first weekend of playoff football is in the books. The wild card weekend, which usually brings some really good matchups. Some teams you looked at and thought, I don't know if you deserve to be there, but you're in the playoffs. And some teams that you thought, "Uh, you're going on the road. Good luck. Better luck next year. But that wasn't the case because three out of the four teams this week were the road team. Life doesn't get much easier for them next week as they move along to the next round and meet the teams that were in the buys. But I just kind of want to run down here and talk a little bit about some of these games, some of the things that happen in the game, and maybe how it affects the Rams and and even looking forward towards next year. So you got to start with what we talked about at the top of the show. Titans go into New England and upset the Patriots, and boy, was it beautiful. You thought that maybe it wasn't going to happen for a while. This thing was stuck at 13 to 14 for basically uh, the whole second half, there were no points scored until I think maybe, what, 15 seconds left or whatever it was when Tom Brady threw that pick six to basically uh, cement it. Derrick Henry had himself a ball game and really a little jealous as you look and we talk about having a uh, quote-unquote, or at least in my eye, a dominant back that we just really didn't take advantage of. Forget the knee issue. Let's see what this guy has. Give him the rock. Give him the opportunity. It really didn't fit in our offense this year. It went through Jared Goff. But Derrick Henry, 34 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Derrick Henry was a man among boys on Saturday. He was just falling forward for four yards. And at the end of the game, it was just like, give him the rock and let him run out the clock. Patriots had a few chances. Tom Brady had his epic you know, couple minutes left. I think it was about four minutes left when he got the ball. Uh, just couldn't get that offense going. And and you saw pieces of what their championship team was letting them down. Tom Brady with some, you know, poor decisions at times, but also Julian Edelman. I think it was like a third and three, third and four, uh, wide open, right in his hands, and he drops the ball. They end up having to punt there. I thought that was interesting. Maybe if it was a little bit shorter or they were a little bit closer to the 50, they would have gone for it on fourth down. But but Bill Belichick playing the safe card and really understanding with the timeouts they had getting the ball back. And they did get the ball back, but uh, not with enough time and really not able to do anything. Titans win that ball game 20-13. to 13. But let's talk also about Ryan Tannehill, y'all, coming in out of nowhere Miami Dolphins thought he was done. NFL thought he was done. He was the backup quarterback for Mariota until Mariota was done, and not by injury, uh, by lack of good play. And he's turned that football team around, and they've got a little swagger right now, and they've got some toughness. They got Roger Saffold. They got Lawan up there on the line, and they are pushing people over. And they also have Derrick Henry, who looks like, again, just a men among boys. So going to be interesting. They are heading up to Kansas City next to face... Uh, the Chiefs at home, so we'll see how that kind of shakes out. And really, may be a good matchup for them because the Chiefs, you look at the record this year, haven't played that well at home. That bye week, sometimes a good thing, sometimes sitting, relaxing. 
Uh, Titans are coming off hot and confident, so it should be a good one there. The other game on Saturday actually consists of a team that we're going to see next year. The Buffalo Bills going on the road to the Tennessee Titans. They were the only team that didn't win on the road. And really, for three quarters, it looked like they should win that game. It looked like they were going to win that game. They were dominating Josh Allen. Really impressive performance till about the last two or three possessions of that fourth quarter. Uh, He took multiple sacks that really just moved him out of field goal range. And one of those things that you just, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're probably hitting your head going like, throw the ball away or you got to be smarter near the end of the game, setting yourself up to be in field goal range because that's really all it was going to take near the end. Uh, They had the Texans down big at one point. I I think it was 13-0 at half. I think it was 16-0 at one point. Really, one play that kind of changed the momentum. J.J. Watt strapped it up after being out since week eight with that shoulder injury. He finally suits up and plays, and uh, I think it was third and, I don't know, a couple handful. They were inside the red zone, and they were moving the football. J.J. Watt comes up with a big sack, forces a field goal. Right after that, Titans come down, score a touchdown, go for two, get it, get a defense stop, come down, put up some more points, and it basically uh, they went on a 19-0 run to complete that game. I Actually, I think Bill's maybe a 19-3 run to close the game. And the, and the Texans took this thing into overtime. And Deshaun Watson with, you know, maybe the play of the wild card weekend, he gets two guys, probably should have been sacked. It looks like they're punting on, you know, going on to fourth down. Instead, both players almost hit at the same time. He stays on his feet, rolls out, finds a guy, Boom, they're in field goal position. That game is over. It was a really good game to watch. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins kind of showed up in the second half, was almost invincible in the first half, but a really fun game to watch. And the Buffalo Bills, man, we will see that team next year. We're going to see them on the road, and that's one of the things we're going to be doing here, if not this week, but next week. We're going to be breaking down the home and away schedule. Buffalo Bills on the road. Hopefully, we don't know dates or times yet, but hopefully that's early in the season because that could be a very much cold weather game. It's going to be a return of Robert Woods and Nikel Roby Coleman to Buffalo. It's going to be a really cool game for those guys. And uh, with Josh Allen, Jared Goff, a couple really good young quarterbacks, a couple tough defenses, that's going to be a really fun game and one that you might want to circle on the road. That's going to be really, really tough for the Rams in 2020. But then going on to Sunday, Vikings versus the Saints. You already know how much we love this game. 26 to 20, the Vikings win that game. Kirk Cousins, y'all, can we get a little round of a little mini clap? For Kirk Cousins, because he had gotten all the grief about not winning the big game uh, afterwards in the locker room. He went to the old Kirk Cousins, the viral Kirk Cousins. You like that? Got his team going in the locker room. It was fun to watch those guys uh, talking about running backs dominating a game. It's got to be Dalvin Cook, 28 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, He really controlled the pace of that game and was unstoppable at times, picking up big chunks of yardage. And then the return of Adam Thielen. I mean, he's been back for a handful of games with seven catches, 129 yards. That's the Adam Thielen that we saw earlier in the season kind of being a dominating wide receiver. We talked a bunch of junk here on this show about the Vikings, and they did lose the last two games of the season and may have given the Rams an opportunity to make the playoffs if they had won out. And yes, who knows what would have happened week 17 if they need to win that ball game how they would have played their roster, but the Bears might have still fought hard and won that game. But a lot of trash talking from us about the Vikings and they didn't beat anybody good. Well, they went on the road and beat the Saints. Saints fans still today and probably for the rest of the offseason, they're going to be whining about a no call in the end zone. But again, there was a lot more than just that call. I mean, that 
50-something-yard bomb to Adam Thielen in overtime uh, has got to be one thing you want to look at and go, well, maybe don't give up that play, and, and we're not going to talk about some pass interference. There are other things that happened in that game. Drew Brees was not looking good for about three quarters. That fourth quarter, he kind of came in. Really, Taysom Hill looked like the better quarterback on the day. Sean Payton got outcoached on that day and uh, just wasn't the Saints' day. And it couldn't make me any more happier to see the Saints exit early. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, goodbye. No more playoffs. We're going to get some young blood in the Super Bowl this year, and it's going to be exciting. And then to kind of cap off this uh, what happened this weekend, I know you guys were watching, but Seahawks go into Philadelphia. Carson Wentz gets hurt in the first quarter with a questionable hit from Clowney, and I know everyone's, oh, it's a dirty player, it's a dirty play. Uh, yes, as he's going down, Carson is already going down, but Clowney's coming fast on that play, and he is just making sure that Carson's going down. He does tilt the head down a little bit and kind of lead with the head, hits him in the back of the head. Refs didn't see it or didn't call it. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to label that like a Vontez Perfect uh, dirty play, but it it definitely was a, l- a little shady, and he got away with it, but Russell Wilson did everything he needed to do, and DK Metcalf, man, talk about a guy that fell to the end of the second round. No one seemed to want this guy. The Seahawks stepped up. Seven catches, 160 yards, and a touchdown. That is the most yards by a rookie in a playoff performance ever in NFL history, and he's on the Seahawks. So even though I know, you know we're talking about some of the teams we want to see lose because we're Rams and we just don't want to see teams we don't like going further. But, you know, I kind of like a little bit, if we're going to take a positive spin on this, I like a little bit to see the NFC West do pretty well and and make it to the next round. At least we can go back and as Seahawks get a little bit further and Niners, can't really say it against the Niners this year, but we beat the Seahawks. We probably should have beat them twice. Uh, Knowing where we stand in that division and understanding that we could play with some of these guys, it's a little disheartening, but at the same time, you got to look at it and find some positive. You know my drill. I'm always going to find something good out of it. Seahawks move on. Uh, They are going up to Green Bay to face the Packers next week in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And then the Vikings are going to be heading to Northern California to face the Niners. I like both those matchups. Should be some fun games uh, coming up this weekend. So we're going to talk all about it. And we're going to talk as these players get eliminated, how it fits into what the Rams are doing. And are there any of these guys on these teams that we want to be keeping an eye on? And I'm sure there is. And we're going to be talking about that over this week as we kind of break down uh, some of the teams that have been eliminated. And really, as we talk about our own vacancies, whether that's coaching, who's coming in, we got to fill a couple spots already, and I don't think we're going to be done at this point. So we've got a lot more coming here on Lockdown Rams. We appreciate you guys hanging with us during this offseason. Again, I apologize for not getting one up yesterday. Y'all should have seen me. I really hope this works out today because I might break something. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I'm recording a little bit earlier to give myself some leeway time here. But we're going to be back the rest of the week, four days to kind of close this thing out. And the goal is really to keep rocking all the way through the playoffs uh, every single day, your team, every day, only on Lockdown Podcast Network. But with that, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. And I say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. You're right, you're right, all right. And we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. You're right, you're right, all right. And we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. You're right. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. 
We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network. 